Welcome to this episode of the Engineering Project Management Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping project managers sharpen their PM skills. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and in this episode of the Engineering Project Management Podcast, I have the pleasure of talking with James Houston, Assistant Vice President at WSP USA, about five key lessons that he learned as a project manager. I can't tell you how impressed I am with James. He is such a young professional, yet he has accomplished a tremendous amount in his career. And just to give you an idea of what he's accomplished, he's a licensed professional engineer. He's a certified construction manager. He has the project management professional certification and an MBA. And he's managed some very, very large and complex projects. And the lessons that he shares in this episode really are gold. So with that, let's jump into today's episode with James Houston. Now I'd like to welcome our guest onto the podcast for today. James Houston is an Associate Vice President at WSP USA. James, welcome to the Engineering Project Management Podcast. Thank you, Anthony. Uh, it's great to be here. No, it's great to have you. You've done a lot in your career with regards to project management. We're just happy to have you to come on and share a little bit about your experience. And let's start off, James, just in your own words, tell us a little bit more about yourself and what it is that you do on a daily basis at WSP. I'm originally from Baltimore, Maryland. I attended Morgan State University. I've got my bachelor's degree in civil engineering in 2011. After graduation, I actually moved to Illinois. I started my career in Illinois across the country, you know, or so to speak, the Midwest, being recruited right out of school from, for IDOT. So I worked for the Illinois Department of Transportation um, for the first four years of my career. And it was really in that experience where I got a sense of direction of the industry and where I was going to be, you know, getting myself involved in, because it was very different from school. So actually working in construction and design and bridge maintenance. And so I got that exposure to various aspects of civil engineering um, within my first job at the Department of Transportation. From there, I moved on to a small firm called Gabalt Hamilton Associates. And I spent about five years there doing a lot of municipal engineering and athletic types of projects, school district types of projects, hospitals. And so that was a very different experience for me, um, but it was still within the realm of construction management. And then uh, in 2019, I came to WSP as an RE. And, you know, since then, I've actually grown to be, as you mentioned, an assistant vice president where my main duties are kind of like twofold. So on the project level, I work um, within the project management oversight, so program management for one of the commuter rails. They're one of our big clients out here in Chicago. I'm a construction manager for that oversight program. And then I also uh, do project management for another, uh, you know, a host of other city of Chicago projects, IDOT projects. And then um, on the business side, I am the client relations manager for the city of Chicago Department of Transportation. As a part of that role, I'm a pursuit leader where I go after projects and, you know, do capture planning for future work for the business. First of all, congratulations. I mean, you graduated Morgan State in, I believe, 2011, and here it is in 2023, and you're a assistant vice president at a, at a very reputable firm. So congratulations to you. Another thing I think that we didn't mention here is I think you, you have an MBA as well. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. 
So we're going to talk about that in a little bit while, James, with some of the certifications that he has. We can talk a little bit about the NBA and how they have helped him in his career. But one of the things I want to ask you about, just in, in regards to what you talked about in your career journey, is you were on the East Coast, you were in Baltimore, you went to school. When you graduate school and you go into your career, I mean, that's one of the biggest probably life transitions that anyone has to deal with. Like you said, right? You go from like studying and classes to actually, you know, real life engineering projects, which is very complex. And a lot of people, you start living on your own for the first time in your life. And for you, you had like a double transition because you kind of relocated to another part of the country. So I would imagine that that was very difficult, but I would also imagine that it was very helpful. Getting through that was probably helpful for you in terms of being able to deal with change like that early on in your career. Yes, it was. And, you know, for me, that was one of the biggest and most pivotal points in my life where it was a very impactful decision to just pick up and, you know, move across the country to a place where I'd never been before, um, you know, to experience the start of my career just in that area. And it helps drastically because the ability to adapt to that new location, new environment, and obviously this new career that I had it really helped me along the way in terms of how I approached my job on a day-to-day basis and dealing with change and things like that for projects. So it definitely strengthened me in that regard. We're going to get into five specific kind of lessons that you've learned as a project manager. And the first one we're going to talk a little bit about is communication. What have you learned as a project manager about communication, James? Communication is, it's like 90% of what we do. I use that as like a baseline number um, because everything that we do on a day-to-day basis, we communicate, whether it's with your stakeholders, whether it's, you know, your team, the contractor, vendors, all aspects of the project throughout the life cycle of the project, you are communicating. And being able to do that effectively is the key to having a successful project and to deliver the outcomes that the client or owner has set forth. And so one of the key outputs of that that I've learned that has helped over the years is a communications plan. I think that that is very key in setting the standard in terms of how you are going to communicate throughout the project, whether that be in standing meetings that you have regular cadence for, if you have internal or external stakeholders, how you plan to engage them and how you plan to communicate with them. Some may have different needs. Some may want to be involved with the daily progress or weekly progress meetings. Others uh, might not. And so having that plan early to meet with all the stakeholders, meet with your team, and to be able to do that and come up with a plan on how you're going to communicate over the life cycle of the project is key. And documentation goes along with that. Meeting agendas, meeting minutes, that way you can always go back and reference those documents and those conversations. People always tell project managers and engineers, technical professionals that you need to be great communicators, but they don't always tell you how necessarily or some tips that you could take. So I appreciate you giving some tips. And I think that stakeholders point is really important. We do a lot of PM training at EMI. And one of the tools that we like to use is like a a matrix, like an interest versus influence for your stakeholders. Like how interested are they in the project and how influential are they, right? Like if the mayor's interested in the project, obviously he or she is very influential. That's a stakeholder that you're really going to need to spend a lot of time, effort, and energy on. If it's someone who, you know, is just a taxpayer, not necessarily even a neighbor to the property, they may not be that interested and they may not be that influential. They may be a stakeholder to some degree. So that's a good thing to think about planning. And the other thing too, that James said that I think is really important is 
not just communicating, but having a plan on how you're going to communicate with your projects. And a lot of the organizations that we work with, they do require like project management plans or PMPs on their projects. And that communication workflow is an important part of that plan, like setting that up from the beginning of the project. Who's going to be the client? Who's going to correspond with the client? And so on and so forth. So I think having a plan like that is important. And quite frankly, when I ask project managers, usually like, what's the one thing that's the biggest change for you as a PM? Because James mentioned 90% of what we do is communication. That's really what I hear. Like you go from kind of communicating internally with your team members to internal and external communication, like client facing, stakeholder, et cetera. So definitely communication is a critical one. Now, when we talk about communication, obviously you're communicating with your team. So let's talk about your team a little bit. James, how can kind of getting to know your team help you to be successful as a project manager? So, you know, Anthony, that's a great point. And what I really believe is that people are our greatest asset. It doesn't matter the business, doesn't matter which facet of civil engineering, people are the most valuable asset. And so to that end, as a project manager, the goal should be how do I create a high performing team within my environment? within my company, within my business line, within my organization or group? How do I create that high-performing team? And so that is something that I learned when I became a project manager. I heard that term, high-performing team. And what it really means is it's a group of highly skilled people that work together in a cross-functional setting in order to achieve an objective. And the objective in project management, as far as the construction management industry that I'm in, is, you know, basically delivering those infrastructure projects for our client. Since people are the most valuable asset and we come from different walks of life, different backgrounds, is how do you really get everyone on the same page to be able to work together effectively and efficiently to deliver those objectives and the goals for the client. I think one thing that is very important, imperative in in that process is having a shared vision. You come together right after NTP. Once you get NTP as a consultant or construction manager, you have a kickoff meeting with your entire team. And, you know, you go through introductions and get to know a little about each other. And then you can put together what's known as a team charter. And that team charter talks about that shared vision, the shared objectives and the goals of what you're trying to accomplish everyone's role and responsibility on the project, the level of authority when it comes to communication and, you know, to stakeholders on a much broader scope and then also at this, you know, project level. And so I think all teams also go through, especially if you're new, you go through a phase where you're trying to get adjusted to one another. And um, that kind of speaks to Tuxman's five stages of development. You know, you have forming, storming, norming, performing, and then adjourning. So my team, for example, we've been together for a number of years. And so we're at the point where we're flowing very cohesively, but it wasn't always the case. You know, when I first started, I know, you know, we went through that stage of storming and trying to get on the same page and there were language barriers might be there for uh, cultural differences and ethnicity differences. And so you're trying to overcome all of those things. But if you can get to a point once you're performing at an optimal level as a team, that presents the best environment to deliver for your client. And so I've learned that trying to foster that relationship with your team members is very key and make it fun. You know, it doesn't have to necessarily be at work, um, have social events, go out after work, 
maybe have a pizza party in, in your project office on a Friday for lunch and go over while you're going over work. You know, you make it fun because you want to learn the people that you're going to be working with on a day to day basis. I mean, we spend more time at work, you know, than with our families sometimes. Um, that's very uh, key. I love that because I think when you hear about project management, a lot of the time you hear about profitable projects, scope, schedule, budgeting, and you don't necessarily hear about the project team, which is really the essence of being able to achieve a successful project. Without the team, it just doesn't get done to your point. And so that's really important. I think what we'll see as we go through James' five lessons here, we've gone through two already, and you could see that how much communication was so important and communication obviously plays a huge role in, in the team, right? Number two. So I feel like communication is going to keep coming up through all these different lessons, but let's go on to the third one. We talked briefly, we mentioned stakeholders a little bit before, but why is it so important to understand your stakeholders, James? I and mean, actually, let me frame this out for those of you that are new project managers, if you're not familiar with stakeholders, really stakeholders are any parties that can be impacted by the project in any way, shape or form. So talk about that for a little bit, James. So understanding your stakeholders is very important for any project. I look at it high level in two ways, from an organizational standpoint, and then also from a people standpoint, always uh, going back to the people being the valuable, most valuable asset. But from an organizational standpoint, you need to understand your stakeholders because you want to understand what's important to them. If you go work for a client in the vertical industry for vertical buildings, you want to understand, like, what are their goals and the objectives of, you know, creating this new high rise or in the transportation highway industry? What's the objective of this new intersection or interstate? You need to understand what it's going to be serving, the purpose for why they're doing that. You know, that's obviously first and foremost, because if you understand what they're trying to achieve, you can create a plan or essentially a roadmap for how you're going to help them get there. You need to understand their why, uh, you know, why they're doing it. You understand the challenges that go along with it and how you're going to try to, you know, as a team and an organization, fill that void and fit that need to be able to meet that. And then obviously the last component is managing their expectations, right? They put out projects um, for consultants to be the owners rep and kind of guide them through and take them across the finish line. And so we need to manage their expectations along the way. So from an organizational standpoint, that's why you need to understand your stakeholders. And then also from a people standpoint, this is a little bit more personal. I've learned over the years that it's still very key because, again, people are the most valuable asset. They may work for an organization as the client, but they're still people just like you and me. Learn a little bit about them. Where did they go to school? How long have they been working for at that agency or that owner of the company? What are their hobbies? Getting that face time with the client and not necessarily just for business, but at organizational events and socials and happy hours and things like that. Like, what can you really learn about them that will help you manage their projects better? Certain clients, I and mean, you meet them, they have certain potential hot buttons, things that they don't like, schedule conformance or change orders. Or that, you know, they may have certain preferences over you know, one area over the other. It's important to understand that. And so the more you learn about your client and know them on a personal level, not just the professional level, I think it helps to that maybe being able to manage your stakeholders overall. 
Again, communication comes into play. The stakeholders can help you move your project forward, but they could also slow your project down <laughs> depending on their stance, their feelings, their philosophies, which is why I think it, to James's point, getting to know them is important. I know for me, I worked as a civil engineer in land development and I'd have to go to planning board meetings and try to get my projects approved in front of a board of five to seven individuals that some were technical, some were non-technical, and were trying to keep the best interests of that municipality in mind. And if I just went in there and said, I want them to approve my project because I want to get my project approved, it's not necessarily the best approach. You have to get to know these people, understand what they're thinking about, understand their concerns on your project and how you can alleviate those concerns. And so engineering, project management, they come down to people a lot more than you would think, especially if you're an outsider looking in. But once you get into these projects, you really start to understand how much the industry is very people-driven and success is very predicated on all parties involved in these projects. Yes, absolutely. Let's talk about change. Why is it important to adapt to change in the workplace? Well, Anthony, you know as well as I do, as a professional engineer yourself, I've never been on a project where there haven't, hasn't been a change. We always say that, you know, the cliche in a perfect world, right? In quotation marks. And um, the reality is it's not a perfect world. And so you have to be ready for change on any project at any given time. And change can come in a, a variety of ways. It can come on a project level from specific plans or specifications not being, you know, designed right or say omissions and things like that. But change can actually come from like external factors as well. Political environment. This is an election year. One of the things that we just got over with the coronavirus, supply chain issues, all of these things factor in and bring about change to a project, as well as a host of other things. And so as a project manager, you have to be willing to adapt to change and being able to manage the change. The best thing to do is if we understand as project managers that there will always be change, how can we get ahead of it? Again, it goes back to communication. When you're on your weekly progress meetings or biweekly design meetings or milestone review meetings, talk about you know, is there anything that's going to impact our schedule? Are there any risks that going to come to fruition that would impact the budget or the quality of our work or anything like that? So if you can have an open dialogue about that with the designer on record, the engineers, the contractors and vendors, then you can really understand the issue to get ahead of it. And that gives you a better handle on how you manage it going forward. Having a change management plan or strategy as part of your project management plan is always important because you're going to need to manage change. And even doing some risk management or risk identification early on in your projects, especially for larger complex projects, can help you identify risks, which could turn into changes and other kinds of issues. And I think what you said about you know, in a perfect world is so true. I mean, I live around the, in the New York City area and it's kind of like, it'll take us 30 minutes to get to the city if there's no traffic. There's never no traffic in New York City, just like there's never no changes on projects. And, you know, when we do our project management training courses, a lot of times I like to share in the training, the quote from uh, Mike Tyson, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. And the same thing goes in projects. Like everyone has a project management plan going in. Everyone knows how they want to manage their project going in. But what happens if you all of a sudden, for lack of a better term, get punched in the face or, you know, someone comes up with something that you're not expecting? How are you going to deal with that? And I really like James's idea of trying to be proactive about it and assume that something's going to happen and have a plan on how you're going to address it. 
And one of the things I'll say on that too, know who else can help you, especially from the client side. And that's something that is good at the beginning of a project to talk about with your client counterparts and say, hey, listen, there's a good chance we're going to run into some issues on this project for whatever reason. When we do, you know, let's make sure we communicate. Let's get a plan in place on how we're going to tackle those changes. You can't be too prepared for changes on your projects because they're going to happen. And they're also going to help you to deal with changes in your career, which quite frankly are going to happen as well. So I think just being able to adapt and adjust to change is a good thing in life overall. All right. So one more here on the five lessons here, James. Why do you believe that to be a good project manager, you need to know what you don't know? You know, Anthony, this is probably one of my favorite questions because it goes against or, you know, contrary to the reason why a lot of our clients hire us. They expect us to deliver. They expect us to um, take charge and manage the entire scope, budget, schedule of the project. But nobody knows everything. And so even though they expect us to deliver for them, as a project manager, it's very crucial to understand what you don't know and what your strengths and weaknesses are. And it's the reason why we have a team, right? You know, a team with different subject matter experts. You'll have a project manager, you'll have a material coordinator, you'll have a documentation engineer, some few examples, but there's a reason why you have a team. So when you don't know something or if there's something comes up and it's, you know, you may need a technical subject matter expert for, you have that team to reach out to. You have that organizational support to reach out to. And don't be afraid to ask questions, ask for help if you need it. I can't tell you how many times as a project manager myself where if I needed help and I knew someone else had the answer in another um, business line, I would pick up the phone and call, set up a meeting and discuss like, hey, how have you addressed this in the past? I know you've dealt with this and I'm having a similar issue on my project. Can you help out with this? And they're more than you know happy to help out. And so I think being open and honest is very key. And even to the owner. If something comes up and it's very critical that, you know, time sensitive, communicate to your owner. I'm like, I don't have the expertise on this particularly, but we have somebody in our organization who does. And so let's set up a meeting. So be open, be honest, be transparent. Don't just assume that that you know everything and that you can handle it. Because if that falls or if that ball gets dropped, then it's really bad, you know, as far as um, on you on how you handle that and manage that or mismanaged it rather. And so know what you don't know and don't be afraid to ask for help and, you know, ask for ask for help from other colleagues. Yeah, it's a really important point, especially for newer PMs, because I find sometimes as a new project manager, you're excited. If obviously, you want to do a great job on your projects. You want to impress your organization, your client. So when someone asks you a question, like your thought process is, I have to give them an answer or else I'm not going to look competent in my job. And the problem with that is when you're dealing with jobs where, quite frankly, the public safety is potentially your responsibility, you can't just be giving answers on something that could have a very negative impact and could hurt people, quite frankly, if you're on a construction project or something like that. So you build trust with your clients by being honest with them, right? And by giving them the right answer, even it means you have to wait an hour or two to get the right information. So as hard as it is to do in the moment, it really is important to be able to be honest in all avenues and and at all times with your clients and your team members. And so I think that's really important. So we got five key lessons there from James from his project management experience. One was communication is critical. So it's something you need to practice and get really good at. 
Secondly was getting to know your team, right? Your project team is the most important aspect of being successful as a project manager. So beyond just getting to know the PM skills, concepts, and tactics, you got to get to know your team members, have fun, get to know them, really important. Number three is to really understand your stakeholders, being those that have an impact or influence on your project. What's their philosophy? What's their perspective? And how can you alleviate any concerns they might have or help them to help you with the project? Number four was to be able to adapt to change. Change will happen on projects, not might happen, will happen. And you have to be prepared to roll with it. And then last but not least is to know what you don't know and then find someone who can help you with that information. And you can really see that communication does really run through all of those lessons, which is why it's such an important skill set to build. So what we're going to do now is we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to wrap up with our PM pitfall. All right, we are back with James Houston. James is an assistant vice president at WSP, and he's given us some great lessons around project management. But now what I want to ask you, James, is what's the biggest PM pitfall that you've identified or that you've seen in your career? And how would you recommend that a project manager either overcome it or avoid it in their day-to-day practice? I think a big pitfall for project managers, especially new project managers, are trying to reconcile the two aspects of the business, right? The project side and then the financial side. That is a very big pitfall. You know, sometimes as project managers, we get so entrenched into the project itself that, you know, like for a better term, we forget about the financial side um, for, you know, monthly invoicings, estimates to complete. Are you tracking the labor breakage on your margins? And is anything eroding that? And as a result, it puts your business in a bad financial position, which brings a host of things. You have a project accountant reaching out to you saying, you know, why wasn't this done? You have auditors that then come to say, oh, you know, we're falling behind on our, you know, established goals and metrics for KPIs, kind of what's going on. And so I think that that is a common pitfall, especially for new project managers. Get that training, request that training from your manager. If you haven't had it or if you haven't dealt with those metrics before in that way as a junior level engineer, you can avoid many pitfalls, um, which is the biggest one. It's the reason why we do the work that we do to drive the financial success of our organization. There's the technical side of project management, worrying about the work breakdown structure, the schedule, all these types of things. But then there's the financial side of the projects. And I do feel like You have to have a good balance between the two as a project manager. You really can't go too far into one without thinking about the other. And I think just globally, the idea of recognizing that your organization is a business. In our project management training courses, we say, understand that your organization is a business and they do really good engineering. Not saying we're an engineering company, period, right? We're a business. Got to make money, got to be profitable. We do do great engineering and that's how we make that money. So I think thinking about it in that way is helpful because then it kind of keeps that in the forefront of your mind that we got to make money here. Then you can keep regular checks on how the budget is doing. You mentioned like your estimate to complete, which is another whole avenue that you just have to learn as a project manager is the finance side of the business. 
But what I will say, James, is that if you can learn that finance side of projects, I think you have a really good advantage because I do find that it's kind of hard for a lot of project managers to get really good at both, like managing the team and like the project management side of things and then managing the finances effectively, right? That could be a differentiator for someone as a project manager. One of my um, managers on, I guess, a national level, he's actually our national director of client services. He told me when I became a project manager that the most valuable individual is the seller doer. You're selling and doing take care of the business side of the organization. And also the doer is when you're at that project level or program level delivering for your client. That's the most valuable individual in the organizations. And, you know, um, it really speaks to that duality that they can achieve and perform. Yeah, for sure. No, the seller doer in today's world is going places because they can sell the business and they can execute on projects. And that's really what every company wants. And quite frankly, one last thing I'll say is if you're a great project manager and you manage your projects great and build great client relationships, they will come back to you for more work. So in a sense, you're also doing business development by being a great project manager and you should keep that in mind. James Houston, thank you so much for spending some time with us on the Engineering Project Management Podcast. You gave us some really valuable lessons, and I'm sure our listeners are going to be able to use this as they develop as project managers. So thank you, James. Thank you for having me. Um, It's a great discussion. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with James. He is just an inspirational guy. I mean, to accomplish what he's accomplished at this young age And just listening to the lessons that he's learned, they really are super valuable. So we really appreciate him sharing those with our audience. Please remember you can find the show notes for this episode at engineeringpmpodcast.com. That's engineeringpm for project management, podcast.com. There you will find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. And until next time, I wish you the best in all of your engineering project management endeavors. 